Yeah, let's praise God for how he is moving. The church is alive, right? Do you want some proof? You want to hear some great news? The best news I've ever shared in the history of the church. You ready? All right, this is big. Over the last 15 years, God has saved 10,641 lives. Woo! The weight of that number, over 10,000 people's lives have been saved. Lives changed for eternity. And so whether you've been in our church for a month or 15 years, you are an important part of what God is doing right here. Amen? We are excited that you are here. Happy anniversary. And I'm excited that you're here for Vision Sunday where we both look back with gratitude but then look forward to what God is going to do in the future by faith. Now, the reality is in our country since the pandemic, the church has been in decline. We've closed more churches than opened them. More people are drifting away from their faith than coming to Christ. But at Gateway, at GFC, across our entire network, we have grown by 24% over the last year. Praise God for that. It's because we are passionate about Jesus and we're passionate about discipleship. And so I want to do a I want to honor some folks in this room right now. I'd like to ask if you are or if you've been a small group leader over the last year or a house leader, will you please stand to your feet? All of this room, from kids, students, adults, or Chi Alpha, all of our small group leaders, please stand. I want to honor you. Thank you for taking good care of the flock. Remain standing for a moment. I look at you like your pastors, your encouragers, your great friends. You're helping the flock grow into maturity. We couldn't do this without you. Thank you for saying yes to the Great Commission. We honor you. You're mission critical. Along with those volunteers are standing, if you are part of our 713 volunteers from kids ministry to AVL, hospitality, will you please stand as well? You're the backbone of this church body. Thank you for serving and stewarding the talents that God has given you. Come on, church family. Let's honor and appreciate all of our volunteers. Thank you. You may be seated. Our Northwest small groups has grown in this last year from 71 to 103 small groups. Isn't that amazing? Praise God for that. And God's not just doing amazing things with our adults, but he's moving in our kids' ministry too. We've done our demographics. We have 18% of our kids make up our church family. Now, that's actually 2% below the average, the national average for a church. So guess what that means? It means two things. Number one, it means that we have a lot of singles and college students. So that's good. That may skew the numbers a bit. But the second thing that this means is that we're below average with our kids. And the only way we're going to increase those numbers is if you increase your numbers. So have babies, y'all. May this be the year we have more baby dedications than in the history of our church, all right? Have babies if you're married, all right? I just want to, all right? And it doesn't matter how, how old you are. Some of you, like, you have grandkids, but you can still have kids. Come on, Michael and Rachel. You got one more. Come on. Come on. Stephanie, come on. What if we foster and adopt some more kids this year? How about that? Amen. Amen. 
73 kids of our were saved last year. 25 were baptized. And our kids gave over $13,000 to missions last year. Praise God for that. I love our kiddos. Students, our student ministry is just blown up on Wednesday nights. Uh, if, you, if you're here, if you're a student uh, ministry volunteer, thank you. You've seen over the last few months, our attendance has grown from 150 to 274. That's 80% growth. God is moving. Students are getting saved. You're hearing about it on Wednesday nights in our public schools. And if you are a student here and and you don't come on Wednesdays, can I invite you to come this Wednesday at 6.30 and be a part of what God is doing? Over the last two years, our students gave over $67,000 to Kingdom Builders. Praise God. Don't let anybody look down on them because they're young. I'm excited about what God's doing in GSM, our Gateway School of Ministry. We just graduated 49 students last month, including my daughter, Emma. Uh, We're excited about all of them who finished their 16-month training. This This is why we do GSM, all right? The Bible instructs the pastors. It gives them their job description. It's in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. It doesn't say do all the ministry yourself. It says equip the saints to do the work of the ministry so that the church can be built up, edified, and established, right? So we are to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And these leaders are saying, yes, it's for the working adult, but on Monday nights we train, and then we do on-the-job ministry training. And the churches that we have started, nine churches over the last four years have been because of our GSM students. So well done. 89 of them are currently being trained. And this is the exciting number. 167 people have been personally led to Jesus outside of these walls by GSM students. Isn't that incredible? Praise God for what he's doing. And you've heard our desire to give a million dollars for Kingdom Builders next year. Thank God and your generosity. We met our goal last year, over $750,000. Praise God. He's moving in so many ways. And our hearts are full of gratitude over what God has been doing over the last 15 years. The weight of 10,000 souls. Every soul is important. Every soul has a name, every soul has a story, and every soul matters to God. Your story matters to God, and you are mission critical of what God is doing right here in our church. And it is such a privilege to be a pastor here, to serve you. And I say it all the time that even if we weren't pastors here, this is exactly where we would be a part of our church. This would be our home because we believe in what God is doing. And we are looking forward to the next 15 years. We believe our best years are still yet to come. Amen? And it's because we're we say focus on our mission. It comes from the Great Commission to go and make disciples. If you know the seven words of our m- mission, will you say them out loud with a little bit of passion and conviction? All right? Helping friends become devoted followers of Jesus. That's why we exist as a church. And we have grown as a result of it. We've started churches because we've seen small group leaders multiply. Small group leaders became pastors. And we've started churches, and we've, we're looking to start more churches internationally in the Middle East. We're, we're starting a church in Oaxaca, Mexico, that will start other churches. And, and, and it was, all of this has happened even during a pandemic time. And it was a crazy moment of faith, but it came at a great cost, to be honest. We sent out some of our very best leaders and volunteers that were serving so faithfully here. 
We expensed over a million dollars to see new churches started. And it's taken a lot to be their friends, to serve them, resource them. And, but these churches are healthy and they're growing. And a few of them are preparing to start churches of their own. You know what that means? We're going to be grandparents. That's awesome. And the vision is to start 100 churches. That's always been the vision, that we're going to start 100 churches. And we believe that most of those churches on the other side of 50 will be amongst unreached people groups and places all over the world. And so this past summer, I came home from an extended sabbatical. I was rested. I was strengthened. I visited several international churches, learning how God's moving in them and what he wants to do through us. And, and so when I came back, I, I came back after well, I was gone when the Uvalde tragedy happened. So I was like, why have we not started a church in Uvalde yet? We got to start a church in Bernie. We got to start an Espanol church in every single church. I was like, let's go. What are we waiting on? Gas to the metal. And then, and then I began to sit down with our executive team. And I began to look in the eyes of our pastors and our small group leaders. I had a one-on-one with every single person on our Northwest staff. And I saw weariness. And I saw that, yes, there is a time to go fast, but there's also a time to slow down. And it would be unwise for us during this year, knowing that all that we have done, it would be unwise to hit the, hit the gas pedal to the metal. Like this is a time that we need to take a deep breath, and focus on the Lord. And, and so after a lot of praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit has directed our team that the theme for our church is home sweet home. In fact, I want you to look over at your neighbor and just say, may GFC be home sweet home. This is a year that we are going to strengthen our church family. We're going to be healthy, healthy Mentally healthy, physically healthy, spiritually, relationally. We're going to be healthy because if we're healthy, then God's going to be able to do his part. Because the reality is is if we keep going fast and it comes at the expense of our spiritual life or our marriages or our own friendships, then we have to ask, was it worth it? Because if it's out of the health of our relationship with Jesus and our healthy marriages, then ministry is going to overflow and happen. Amen? And so my desire is that this would be home sweet home. This would be a year of health and strong. And I believe that more than anything, our world needs to see a healthy church, a church that is stable, that's secure, that is unified, that there's strong fellowship, and most importantly, there is love. So turn with me in your Bibles to Acts Chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, this is what a healthy church looks like. The early church was empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were sharing their faith with their community. But notice in verse 46 of Acts 2 about this church. It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from where? House to house. So they were one accord. They were unified, and they gathered together in a large worship service moment, but then they met together in small groups in homes. And notice what they did. They ate their food. Praise God. Can anybody say amen for good food and fellowship? Like, can we say amen over the best? We've got the world's best tacos, right? Tex-Mex, barbecue. We've got that. Like small groups, we need to be about eating together. It's biblical. And we do it with gladness, right, and simplicity of heart. It's not over complex. This is the return of what simple 
verse 47, praising God. There was a, there was a, a priority of seeking the presence of the Lord. Worship, adoring God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So more than anything else, can we seek the presence of the Lord? May we love him with our, our heart and our mind, our soul, and our strength. We've got to, yes, continue to prioritize the great commission, but not at the expense of the great commandment. The great commandment to love God with all of our mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. It's the great commandment and the great commission. Both are important. And if we are healthy, our homes are healthy, our marriages are healthy, then we're going to see more unity. We're going to see more supernatural if we position our place of health. And so I'll be honest with you. When I, when I sensed that the Lord was leading us with the theme, home sweet home, I was tempted to, to really like have doubts. Like, are you sure, God? Like, are we going to become an inward holy huddle? I've made the commitment to our team that we wouldn't start any churches this year in 2023 because I felt like we needed to pause, that we were really at the edge of, of, of doing more harm than good if we kept moving forward. And, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of this verse in Acts chapter 9, verse 31 as confirmation. All right? It says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, if we are just healthy, if we're content to be at the presence of the Lord, like this may be a year that we rest a little bit, that we prioritize abiding our first love in the Lord. Like this is a return, home sweet home, a return to our first love with Jesus. That we would see your prodigal sons and daughters and grandchildren come back home. And so I believe if we're healthy, then God's going to do his part. Every family is healthy, is strong. Like We are most healthy as a church family when everyone is belonging, belonging in a small group. That when everybody is serving with the talents that God's given and everybody's giving. When we all do our part, we are most healthy and we're most strong. So this year, even with focusing on health, I believe God's still going to increase in numbers. Last year, we saw 830 people publicly surrender their lives to the Lord. Yes. We're believing God that this year for 1,000 salvations. Will you pray with me that we will be ready and believe for God to, to see 1,000 people saved this year? 1,000 lives change. It won't happen by accident. It'll happen when each of us take personal responsibility of the Great Commission, the mission of Christ, to seek and save the lost. So I want to encourage you, to empower you, to invite, right? Not just small group leaders, but every single one of you. May we invite people to church, invite people to our small groups, and most importantly, invite people to Jesus. Less than 1% of the church personally wins anyone to Jesus. May that change. May that not be true of our church family. May you be empowered to boldly share the good news of Jesus, to share your testimony, to look for opportunities to invite people to Jesus. Amen? We're believing God for 125 small groups. We've seen our numbers of small groups grow for adults this year from 71 to 103. And with attrition, we're believing for 35 more small groups to start this year. Be praying with me. We're going to start new small groups and ways to reach uh, people who have not been reached yet. And I'm, I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do. 
believe with me for 1,000 volunteers. Right now we have 713. I'm believing God for 1,000 volunteers. Every day at 10.02 when my phone alarm rings to remember to pray for the harvest, according to Luke 10.2, I pray for new labors. I pray, yes, for missionaries, for future church planners and small group leaders, but I pray for volunteers every day. I pray for, for you. Like, I'm grateful for the volunteers that we have, but the reality is many of our very best leaders and volunteers have been sent out to other churches. And so that's created an opportunity right here at Northwest. In the military and sports world, when someone goes down because of injury or they retire, you know what the mantra is? Next man up, right? So may it be true here. Next man up, next woman up, next volunteer up. Like This is the opportunity. Some of you are, are brand new. You may have been coming over the last few weeks. We don't want to pressure you to start serving already. We want to be your friend, get to know you. But if you've been coming for a while and you're currently serving in any of the hospitality areas, all right, greeter, usher, maybe AVL, you've been faithful over the task, I want to encourage you to be one of the 75 we're praying to be either a small group leader or involved in kids or student ministry, all right? We're believing for that this year, that you would take that next step and have greater responsibility with people. Now, Asking 75 of you to leave hospitality to another area of ministry in our church, how many of you that would know that would create a lot, little bit of anxiety with our director of volunteers? And so this is, this is the plan, to ask those of you who are attending to consider being a volunteer in hospitality. We're believing for 285 people to say, you know what, I want to be a part of this family, not just to tend, but to steward this, the talents and gifts God's given me to serve maybe once or twice a month in parking lot, cafe, greeters, ushers, maybe once or twice a month serve. So if you're interested in saying, you know what, I want to be a part of this, then I want to invite you to go to this link, mygateway.tv forward slash volunteer and just sign up. All right. And just by greeting, saying hi with a smile, you're going to get to know more people in our church. And if you're doing your part, this is what I hope, that one day when we stand before God and we're able to celebrate all that God has done, the thousands of people that were saved, that you can say more than, yeah, I, I, I didn't just attend GFC, I served. I was really part of, of building and advancing the kingdom of God. So some of you have been waiting to be asked, here's your ask. You are needed. You are wanted. And what's going to happen, you're going to see that your own spiritual life will grow and you're going to build more friendships in this church as a result. So be a part of the thousand volunteers. You know we're desiring and we're praying God for a million dollars for kingdom builders. We're going to do some global things for missions, but we'll be starting in 2024 a new church, uh, a night church here for those people who work, and, uh, and then a church in New Braunfels. So be praying with us. Nothing in this year, though. Again, pause. I promise. We're trusting the Lord for this. And, and so these are things that God has laid on our hearts that we're praying, we're depending upon by faith. But I want to ask you this year, what are you praying about? What are you asking God for in faith? What's an area of your life that's not healthy? Maybe you've been working hard and it's been a busy season and you need to, you need to take a breath and have maybe a season of rest and not feel any guilt or shame about it. 
Maybe there's an area in your marriage ministry that your marriage that is not healthy. We want to invite you to come on Tuesday and, and to get the help that you need through our re-engage ministry. What is that area that you're believing the Lord for? And can we ask God in faith and stand upon his word that God is going to answer our prayers way beyond we could ever imagine? All right. I'm going to I want us to read a place in scripture. And let it be a declaration for your life and for our church. It's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Let's say it out loud together with some faith and passion, all right? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations from ever and ever. Amen. Do you believe it? To believe that God has his best interest for your life, that he wants to do it more in you and through you than you could ever imagine. He desires that. He desires for you to be healthy. He desires us to be healthy. And so here we go, home sweet home. What does that mean? Well, that means that we're all doing our part, right? Like I, I desire that we, that we fill up the lobby before and after service, that we spend more time in fellowship that there's a lot of love and laughter, that when we come here together and sing praises, that we do it with loud voices, even if we don't sing well. But we're passionate about loving Jesus and passionate about loving each other. Like we are worshipers before being a worker. And so I want to share with you three things because home sweet home isn't going to happen by accident. And it's going to be very easy for people to come here who are going to be invited to our church to see this church is big and it doesn't feel like home. But if we all do our part, then it can happen. First, we've got to understand home will be sweet when, it, when we know it's biblical. Jesus fulfilled his mission to seek and save the lost. How did he do it? He started a small group, right? Twelve guys, twelve friends. He spent three years of his life pouring his life into his friends. Strong friendship. It was in the context of this relationship that discipleship was modeled and it became the blueprint for the church. The blueprint for the most fruitful, healthy church in the history. That's the church of Ephesus. Because of them, everyone in Asia Minor heard the gospel of Jesus. But a lot of them who were getting saved and coming to the church uh, probably made, just didn't feel like they were connected. Some of you feel like that. You feel forgotten. You feel like you're invisible. May these words be true for you today. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You know what that means? You're part. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've repented of your sin and you're following the Lord, you're part of God's family. That's good news. So look around, everybody. That means you are spiritual brothers and sisters with each other. That's awesome. In verse 20, it says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place in the Spirit of God. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of Jesus. So home is sweet when first we know it's biblical. Second, home is sweet when it cultivates ownership. How many of you have ever rented an apartment, rented a home? 
right? How many of you know there's a difference between renting and owing, owning? Like if you are a renter, you really don't care that much about the landscaping, do you? You don't. You don't care what color of the, the paint is on the walls generally. But when you become an owner, when it's yours, something changes. Something clicks. And I want to empower you to have an ownership mentality in our church family. Yes, we'll have a 1,000 volunteers, but can I say you're all a greeter? You all have a, a responsibility to make the people, maybe when you come on Sundays, the people you're sitting with behind you or in front of you, take some time to get to know them, to pray for, to encourage, go deeper in your relationships and your small group. And I'm really praying that, man, more than anything, that the men in our church will lead the way spiritually, model it, have the most passionate relationships with Jesus. In fact, men, all over this room, will you please stand up to your feet? This is what I'm hoping, that this will be a moment. We all sometimes have to have a moment that we, we, we like forget the past and we're like going forward. Joshua did. He, he faced a lot of challenges and he could have had a lot of excuses, but he kind of put a line in the sand and he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this is a moment. So men, I look into your eyes and, and I want to encourage you to be men of holiness, men of purity, men who will lead the way in your relationship with Jesus. May your friends, your spouse, your children see you prioritize the word of God, that you abide with the Lord, that you love Jesus more this year than you've ever loved him before, that this will be a year of the greatest spiritual growth in your life. And may you lead and serve, if you're married, your, your spouse as well. May you serve them and lead the way at home. May your children follow your example. And may you be pillars in this church. Lead the way spiritually in discipleship and in your worship to God. Amen? And the rest of our church family, let's encourage and support them as they sit back down. Thank you, men. And finally, home is sweet when it's a place when people return. Think about the story that Jesus shared of the prodigal son who turned his back on everything that was family and thought he knew was best and he lived his life for a season in sin and the Holy Spirit convicted him and he repented and came back home. And the father had his arms wide open and, and ran to him and threw a big party because spiritually he had returned home to the Lord but also to his family. And this is what I imagine our, our heavenly father desires that prodigal sons and daughters would come back home to church. Some of you have family members and friends who are lost, and I believe this will be a year of salvation for them. The Hebrew word for repent is teshua. It literally means to return home. So I'm praying that this would be a year of return, not just for prodigal sons and daughters to come home, but this would be a year for you. Listen, that this would be a year that you would return to your first love in Jesus your first love in Jesus. Some of you have been so faithful and you've worked hard and it's easy to allow the busyness for God to substitute intimacy with God. We are worshipers first, workers second. So while I was praying at the beginning of the year, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this, this letter in the church in Revelation chapter 2, and I just felt like if, he was, if any of these letters, this would be the letter for us. 
We've worked hard. We've started churches. We are a working church, right? We're not afraid to roll up our sleeves. But Jesus says in chapter 2, verse 2, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. While meditating on this passage of Scripture and praying over the theme for this year, I had to take account my own personal relationship with the Lord, saying, God, have I drifted at all from my first love? And I began to pray and began to do those things at the beginning and began to have longer abide times with the Lord where I just waited upon Him with no agenda and just have longer times of gratitude and worship. And the Lord just gave me such a burden, a burden for you that you would return to your first love. And so it was while I was meditating on this passage of Scripture that I was inspired to write a poem. <laughs> I'm a pastor, not a poet. But I wrote a poem. It was the first poem that I've written since I was dating Steph, trying to uh, lure her in a bit. But uh, I, I wrote it on this scratch piece of paper, and this, this poem became a prayer, and a prayer for you. Begin the year with you so near, turning back with a heart more sincere. Forgive me for straying when push came to shove. It was my fault for straining my first love. May I remember what it was like at the start, so I return to the first things, never to depart. A walk with you is never in a hurry. It begins with gratitude when I wake up early. A simple talk called a sweet prayer, burden surrendered, and love you share. Abiding in your word will be my light. Our union held together be so tight. Return to thee on a humble knee. Return to thee, my king you will always be. Return to thee, I hope to see. So uh, thank you. I struggled whether or not to share that, and I uh, appreciate your kindness in a vulnerable moment, but may this prayer be your prayer. May we return to our first love. May we return to a heart of worship where we don't just worship the Lord with our mouth, but that our hearts are close to him. It was out of our burden for our Northwest Church family that this would be home that Stephanie and I decided in September to start a new small group in our home, in the living room. And a couple of weeks ago, we challenged everybody to be prepared that we are going to have a moment of worship that we'll teach, we'll discuss worship, and then we'll have a time of just worship in our small group. But I'll be honest with you, I had a little bit of confidence because we had somebody in our small group that knew how to play the keys and, and she had been a worship leader. So she agreed to lead us in worship. I was really excited about this moment. But uh, again, this was about a week and a half ago. Uh, 
my friends called me about an hour before and said, we can't make it. We've got a challenge with a family member. And, and so I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to change topics. I'm going to have to prepare another talk. Like, you can't do worship if we can't sing. And, and, uh, and I became very convicted by the Holy Spirit. And this is what I sense. I, I sense the Holy Spirit say, is Jesus not enough? Like, do you really need, are you really so dependent? Is your worship so dependent on someone else who can play? You got to have a keyboard. You got to have someone else lead music. And I said, I am sorry, Lord. You are worthy of our worship. And so I didn't change topics. And in fact, uh, uh, we gathered together and we read scriptures on worship and we discussed. And then we turned to Spotify and we Googled some lyrics to a worship song and and we sang, and most of us sang poorly, but we sang with our hearts. And we talked about worship as more than just singing. It's adoring Jesus with our lives. And we just began to sing, and we had the Lord's Supper together. And it was just such a beautiful moment in our small group where we just worshiped the Lord and were content to be at the feet of Jesus. And that's what he desires. Remember the story of Mary and Martha where Jesus was at a home, and it was Martha was so working that she even called Mary out. But Jesus, he didn't even like say, Mary or Martha, good job. He's like, Mary's got it. She knows what's most important. She's content to sit at the feet of me. And so I want us to have a moment. Can we have a moment where we're just content to be in the presence of the Lord and that we seek him? Will you stand to your feet? If you have drifted in your relationship with the Lord, I ask that you would repent, that this would be a call to return to him. Would you by faith, would you pray, would you confess to the Lord? And Father, we do that right now. If we've neglected our first love, Holy Spirit, would you remind us of that honeymoon moment, that first encounter with you when we were so excited and so passionate to spend time in your presence, to worship you, to love you, I pray that our church family, Lord, that we would be worshipers more than workers, that out of our healthy relationship with you and our healthy marriages, that ministry will naturally happen and flourish. Lord, we pray for our, our kids that have hardened their hearts. We pray that this would be the year of favor and salvation. If you're here today and maybe you have you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Honestly, if you were transparent, you would say, my life is not right with God. But you're here, you've been invited by someone who loves you and loves the Lord. I just wonder if this could be a moment of salvation for you. The Lord is knocking on the door of your heart. He wants to have fellowship with you. He died on the cross because of his great love for you. And it's only through the, the faith through Jesus being the son of the living God that he died on the cross for your sins. He's the atonement. He's the substitution. He did, he did what you deserve because of your sin. That if you trust in him, you will be forgiven and saved. You can come home and you can be a part of this family of God. So if in this moment, the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your sin and he's drawing you to himself, I'm accounted three and I would ask that you would publicly raise your hand and say, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus today. One, two, don't be shy. Don't be ashamed. Three, would you raise your hand all over this room? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. 
Thank you. Small group leaders, can you go to those who are raising their hands all over this room? This is the greatest moment of our service. We want to welcome you home, welcome you to the family God. This is a moment of commitment that you're following after Jesus, and it starts with a prayer. This is the starting line of your faith. Would you bow your head, and in humility, great sincerity of your heart, would you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart? Just say his name out loud. Just say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead, and that you're both my Savior and my Lord. Help me to follow after you. I confess and repent of my sin, and I turn to you. Help me to follow your example, to do everything that you say, to give me a hunger and a desire for your word and for Christian fellowship. In Jesus' name, I pray in this moment, Father, that you would set them free from the bondage of sin and guilt and shame and condemnation and strongholds. Cleanse their mind, cleanse their heart. They're a new creation in you in this moment. From this moment on, may they follow after you. Give them your great grace and your power to do all that you have for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's re-rejoice and celebrate our friends.